0: Welcome to Profiles, a three-part podcast that dives deep into the lives of promotional products professionals. Profiles is brought to you by Americana. When you need American-made, you need Americana. And with free 24-hour rush service, you'll get it fast. Americana, jar openers, coasters, mouse pads, chamois towels, and more.
1: Hello, and welcome to Promo Quarter's new podcast, Profiles, where we'll be talking with longtime industry professionals about their experiences and their take on the promotional products world today. I'm your host, Steve Woodburn. Joel Schaefer, founder and president of supplier Soundline, is our profile guest this month, and in our last episode, talked about the changes in our industry since the advent of the internet and how apparel has become close to 50% of sales. In this episode, we start off with the topic of why, in the world of advertising and marketing, promotional products have always been the redheaded stepchild.
2: They don't understand our business is is really the beginning. Uh, first, on the manufacturing side, it was never a serious business. There were some companies that went in. But keep in mind, we were special markets. We were never really, oh, I'm going to open up a company that caters to this industry. It has changed. It's changed tremendously because half of the people in the state of California are nothing more than importers. they don't manufacture. but we were we were were an afterthought. Uh, so if your special markets, they would generally and many veterans listening would know they would assign it to an administrative assistant of the national sales manager in the retail division. I talked about Leather Smith of London, you know our primary business was Bloomingdale's Neiman Marcus and all. I was brought in because they wanted me to Create a special markets division, which I did, but it was an afterthought to everybody. Having said that, uh, if if your if your business is treated as an afterthought, uh, you're, you're the Rodney Dangerfield comment is you're really not going to get the respect you need. When it translates over to the uh, buying marketplace, it was misunderstood. It was stuff. It didn't have a cachet about it. It didn't have any intellectual value about it, and when when Johnny was going to uh, graduate school, uh, it, uh, it was one paragraph in the marketing textbook used at Rutgers University Graduate School of Business, and it was one paragraph, and it was an example of Hartman luggage used as a premium. I was a visiting professor for 10 years at Rutgers. I would go in four times a year and talk to graduate school students. And there was nothing in the textbooks. Now, I haven't been there in 10 years and I haven't seen, or maybe 15 years, I haven't seen what's in the textbooks, but I can guarantee you that the study of special products and its role in motivation, uh, recognition, incentives, et cetera, et cetera, is not discussed. It doesn't have that cachet about traditional advertising. And uh, until it changes, we will not be producing people coming out of school knowing it.
1: He says both PPAI and ASI have done an excellent job with visiting professors and other programs to educate students and buyers about the benefits of our business. But he notes we shoot ourselves in the foot with the terms we use we still suffer from, and I personally don't like it, bling,
2: and uh, uh, um, I'm trying to come up with all the negative pejorative terms that they talk about our industry. We've seen people in Congress and the Senate open up products and, and malign us and say you're wasting your money on tchotchkes or all the materials that you have. Uh, so uh, we are—we even defeat ourselves when we some of our own companies name themselves after the pejorative terms of stuff. Stuff is fun. I like to use stuff, but I would never say, "Well, I got a bag of stuff for you," when I'm in front of a customer. That's kind of an in-house term, and uh, we, we simply get no respect, and we're not headed into the respect category until we rebrand
1: ourselves. For his part, Joel uses an acronym that encompasses the value our business brings to companies and their brands.
2: Armor is an acronym that basically encapsulates everything we do overall. Armor is an explanation that we are very very much like another business which I'll tell you after we do this. Uh, A stands for appreciation when a company needs appreciation for its employees its customers customer appreciation employee appreciation uh, we provide the tools the products the materials the programs for appreciation r is recognition i don't have to go into it from a trophy to an award we are the people you can come to to match the the recognition to the accomplishment M is for motivation, if you want to get the salesman off his rear end, we have methodology and tools which could range from getting involved in your travel program to merchandise incentives. Uh, There's a lot of ways and a lot of tricks that we know and we do motivation for you. E is education, while we're not teaching, we do. Buckle up for safety, the messages that go out on our products help educate the population, as to what they need to do in terms of car and safety, hands-free, hands-off, whatever. So we're part of the education matrix, but not curriculum developers. And the last R is reinforcement, which is a big part of our industry. We will reinforce your message and your brand. So there may be no reason to put your bank logo on on an umbrella other than reinforcing your logo and getting visibility all over a r m e r an acronym for the five things that cover almost every single thing we do regardless of who buys and what they're using it for
1: there's another code people getting into this business need to learn and that's the way the suppliers price their products When you look at product pricing in a catalog or online, you notice there's a letter after the progression of prices, and it might be an A, B, or C, or perhaps a P, Q, or R. The system came about decades ago when salespeople all over the country were pitching suppliers products and needed to know what their commission would be while keeping the net pricing hidden from the end users
2: suppliers would start to lure you to sell their widget as opposed to a different type of widget or sell a pen versus, well, a pen versus a pad. And they would start to lure you by increased commissions. And basically going as high as 50% is where they went. There were a couple that were even higher, legend has it, but 50% was there. And as you know, in order to shield that, in order to give you all the information you need so that you could sell in comfort, the coding system, ABC, started. Uh, can't tell you who started it, but it started. So it told the seller what the price was, and it told the buyer, and the buyer didn't know the coding system. And uh, the A itself was, it, there was a guy in the West Coast, his name was Russ woodliffe he was with Jack Nadell. Uh, I think I got that right. Um, And uh, he called it a license to steal because no other industry with salespeople worked on commission rates as high as that. But it was laid out so that a small guy in Owatonna, Minnesota could make a living off of a smaller gross sales. So the business matrix was set up so small businesses, mama, papa, all over the country could make a generous commission on a smaller amount of sales and build businesses and build income and build their economy. And this all came about when a lot of people purposefully came into this industry. Uh, And there were some older companies like the Browns and Bigelow's that were out there and they recruited very well during that time. And people could make money in this industry on the generous commission structure and build a business in a place where it's very hard to build a business because there's not enough industry and commerce and they did it. And that gives you the history of the A. Oh, you asked, what about the P? Well, obviously when the buyer, who's the professional buyer who sees promotional ad specialty people come in and out, sooner or later they recognize what the A was. So all we did was change our stripes. And today's buyer knows damn well that an A is a P and they'll, they can figure out your code but most buyers who value you as a consultant today, discount don't don't really care what the commission structure is because you're worth more than your money in, in the recommendations that you have. However, it's impossible to compete commodity-wise on an A. Everybody knows that. It's not possible. The question is how low can you go and how low are you willing to go to compete against somebody who's basically selling products at net prices?
1: Giving back, in this case, volunteering, is something Joel has always felt very strongly about. He helped create the Specialty Advertising Association of New York and served on various boards, as well as being elected to the board of the Promotional Products Association International and has taught classes for the industry for decades. So why does he volunteer?
2: Back in 1974, when I met Bob Lederer, who at that time was working for C&D HIT, um he drafted me into this and from there i went into regional uh, i went, rose through the ranks of serving sagney um i went into national i joined the ppa i didn't join i was lucky enough to get elected to the ppa board of directors i served there i've served on committee after committee uh, i was one of three people who started the sagney foundation to bring charity to the industry So all along, I got it. What do I get out of it? The first thing you get out of it is self-satisfaction, self-esteem. Do we know Maslow's pyramid of needs? If what I just said is foreign to anybody listening, you best get on the internet and look about Abraham, Will, Maslow and the pyramid of needs. It is the fundamental of this. It's called self-esteem. It's not braggadocio. I don't need to be recognized for anything. I don't even need this interview. It's not about me. But you get a sense, most people get a sense of fulfillment, donating money to a food bank during the COVID epidemic, reaching out and helping somebody. There are two, there are not a lot of selfish people. There are just a lot of people sitting on the sidelines because some people don't want to raise their hand. But when asked, so many people will go, sure, I'll help. I'll join. I'll do. So it's really not a case of this person never volunteered. This person probably never happened upon somebody who said, hey, you want to come and help me? And you will. The learning I got volunteering was incredible. The mentoring I got free was incredible. The network I got was incredible. Yeah. I got a $600,000 sale sitting at the Concord hotel networking. And it was at the leadership table with somebody who said, I'm heading to Cincinnati and blah, 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 and it turned out to a 600,000. I didn't go into this for that. So it brings sales. The visibility you get when your association touts you, the designation CAS, MAS you get, which a buyer says to you, "Well, well, well, what's this? is incredible. And the service acumen that you get, and my kids have, because they've both been inactive in, in all of these, is second to none. So I have to recount this quick story when I was teaching at MIPA in Michigan. And whatever, I don't know how it came to pass, and this woman says, yeah, well, what is MIPA going to do for me? And I called her the little old lady, the lady in the blue dress in the second seat it was a column I wrote for Promo Corner. And I attacked her. And I apologized to her later on. And I felt like JFK. I said, "Don't ask what Mipa can do for you. Ask what you can do for Mipa." And the point is, I said to her, "I said this is the they're they're lobbying for you when they want to take away your 1099. They're lobbying for you when they want to ban this or do this. They're lobbying for you when the Detroit newspaper says uh, you can't do you know, promotional products are a waste of money." I said, there's a lot that your association will do for you and your business. I said, so it's really not what they're going to do for you. Granted, this trade show was yours free from the association. So there is so much that volunteering and leadership do. And and one of the reasons I've been so active is that period of time that I was a school teacher. I left teaching, but I didn't leave teaching. I still teach. I love it. I enjoy it. The only difference is teaching kids in the South Bronx was much easier than teaching people in this industry. That's a bit of facetiousness, but I love facetiousness. So you get a lot out of it, and 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 I've been through national and regional. Uh, one of the be- one of the, the proudest moments for me was 1998, where we had an I think it was 898 uh, or 99. We had an emergency meeting in Chicago, and we drew all the regional associations together. And there's too much of a story that has to go on, but it's the history of today's Iraq. And I pulled this meeting together, along with Walter Schatz, who was the executive director of SAGNI, and a couple of others. And we actually paid the airfare for many people to get out there. And about 30 or 40 delegates, we met in two days, and it was a case of, well, what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? How's the organization? Whatever, whatever, whatever. And we came away with the organization that stands today. It's the regional associations. And the amount of friends that you have—I have lifelong friends across the country from association volunteerism, among my best friends coming out and still today, or uh, people I served with on the Sagme Board. So there's a lot to get out of it. It's not money. It is self. It, it is rewarding. It's self-esteem. It's friendships and relationships. And I have to use the phrase I use all the time, and and I basically use it when I was chairing the Sagney Foundation, where we work with kids in cancer and such. It feels good to do good.
1: After 53 years in this industry, Joel has pretty much seen it all and done it all. So what advice would he have for someone new just getting into this crazy but lucrative business? If you're coming
2: into this industry, you got to make a conscious decision. We all know that. We, have, we know most people coming into this industry, if they're coming in in sales, uh, also have to be prepared to uh, live until you can make that commission that pays in this industry. I think somebody coming into this industry should have intangible sales experience because we are an intangible industry. While the product may be tangible, the consultant sits there with a yellow pad or or tablet and is basically taking notes. And they're conceptually thinking with the client, analyzing and assessing this. So I think you need, it would be very good. There are many courses, Xerox still does it. Uh, there are many courses out there for consultative selling, intangible sales. And I think one of the requirements here is to learn how to sell the intangibles unless you want to be a peddler, which you again, you can make a whole lot of money at. Then you could start with just, well, open up any bag and I can sell snake oil if you want me to. So I basically believe that you should go and learn a little in consultative sales. Do not expect all of that education to come from somebody else. If you go to work for somebody, you, any experience, for example, selling, you have been an insurance salesman, saleswoman, that's, uh, that's uh, consultative selling. So I think that experience would be there. Um, I'm on a minority task force. Somebody's coming in from a minority area. Fantastic. What would I tell them? Uh, go get a press, uh, hot stamping press, uh, and uh, go get transfers from somebody. Go buy some T-shirts. Go into the T-shirt business. You can start today. Uh, I earlier talked about BDNA, and I can't tell you how many college students matriculated into this business by going into what I said again earlier, where I was selling Playboy desk calendars. You can start in this business on entry level feeding something which has a huge market, a T-shirt. So it's hard to say, what would I tell somebody about coming in this business? But if I go back to what Idea Man would say, you can have it all. You can make a substantial amount of money in this business. And you can have a lifestyle of the rich and famous. It's a very attractive business. And if you wanna be entrepreneurial, you could do that. There's no end to it on the distributor side. And if you are creative and technologically oriented, you'll be the first one to create an app that'll do something that nobody else did. There's a lot of opportunity in this in this industry due to the ever expanding network that's out there, the apps that are out there and the, and the, and the internet, which is in this case, your friend.
1: Joel became a teacher prior to entering this business, and ironically, after 53 years, he's still teaching and training in a role he couldn't possibly have foreseen in 1968. He's content to continue running Soundline, the business he started when cassettes were still a thing, in 1986, and now enjoys spending time with his wife Elise, his family, and the grandkids. His children, Brett and Allison, both continue to create their own paths in this business. Understanding the legacy their dad has created through his business, his mentoring and his volunteering will forever be a part of their DNA and our industry. Thanks again to Joel Schaefer for being our first Profiles guest. Our next profile is another PPAI Hall of Fame member who also believes volunteering and mentoring is a given in whatever field you pursue. Seems to be a theme with almost everyone who's successful in their chosen field. And this person has created some colloquial sayings to sprinkle in when talking with others, including, If I had more time, I'd let that bother me. From all of us here at Promo Corner, thanks for listening to Profiles. I'm Steve Woodburn. See you back here next time.
0: Thank you for listening to Profiles. Join us again as we continue to explore the lives of people who have impacted our industry. Profiles was brought to you by Americana. When you need American made, you need Americana. And with free 24-hour rush service, you'll get it fast. Americana, jar openers, coasters, mouse pads, chamois towels, and more.